Thank you for tuning in to RTM Nation Online, where we believe that you will receive the abundance of peace, prosperity, security, stability, health, healing, and truth. If you would like to learn more about the ministry, click the link below. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Now let's get into the message. Oh my goodness, I have a lot to share with you today. You know, I was sitting there as the debut of our, our praise team. Give God a praise one more time for that. And I'm sitting next to Art, and I'm already kind of a little geeked up. And he go, he says, what did you eat today? I go, man, I'm just excited. My wife told me on the way here, she says, do you realize that this is the first anniversary of us being in this new facility? I said, I didn't even think about that. It's been a year. You better praise him like you know a little song. Oh, suck it. I was like, Jiminy Cricket, boy, it's like, it's like if you listen close enough, you can hear the jet engines revving up and we taxiing down the runway on our way somewhere. So yeah, 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 I'm, I'm excited. As a matter of fact, you know, I, will, I wanna share with you, I have worked out with my tech guy to show you a little. Of, me and my wife spent some time together in Las Vegas, that's why we weren't with you. So as you can see, there's Greta and I here and this is the first photo. So this is when we first arrived there. And you can see I had vacation hair. So I'm really enjoying myself. Really enjoying myself. We did a couple of cool things while we were there. Ate a lot of good food. And this, and this all, this all, yeah, just, now hold it right there for a second. We, we did a lot of good things, ate a lot of good food. And we did a whole, had a whole bunch of fun. And this all relates to what we're going to talk about today. Because we're going to hit the devil right in the eye. But, but here's what I want you to tell, want you to know. When we have fun, we have fun. You know, it's, it's, it's all about making sure that the relationship that my wife and I have together doesn't go stale. I mean, it needs to be like that, that, that bread you, you first bring from the stove, not that hard, crusty bread that then set up on the counter and got a little mold on it. It might be a little tight because, you know, you just let it go stale. So... As you can see, here's some pictures of us. We went to a wax museum. And here's me with Will Smith. Next one, please. This is Greta with Don King. That's me helping Tiger out find his ball. That's Greta with Snoop. What you say? That's me helping Prince out saying right there. Purple rain. And then here go Greta with Prince, too. This is me with Nick Fury. There you go. <laughs> and then this is the end of it right here. We're, that's our last day. We took a gondola ride just to make sure that we can memorialize this moment together. It was a great time. Great time. Great time. And so you, you say, how does all of that possibly go to what? we were talking about. Well, as you remember back, say, some three Sundays ago when I was ministering to you on this topic, we kind of paused on the topic, and that topic was relational neglect. Sometimes when we have these kind of messages, you know, the pastor will say something like, you know, I, I, I hope this isn't too heavy for you, but I'm not going to say that today. It's meant to be heavy. It's meant to shine a light on that place 
The enemy likes to hide to keep your relationships busted. So we coming at him. We already been coming at him, but it's been more of a sneak attack. Today, we just take the glove off and just pop him right in the nose. Here's a brief refresher. We all agreed. Family, we all agreed that we have many relationships in life. Now, some of those relationships are good, and some of them have the opportunity to be good. Not all of them are, but some are good, and some have the opportunity to be good. And now, of those ones that have the opportunity to be good, we want everyone to know that those relationships have an enemy. And that enemy does not want those relationships to prosper. That enemy is the devil. And what we gave that rascal as a, as a name, we called him relationship public enemy number one. If you look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 in the NIV Bible, you will notice that the Bible is going to tell us and instruct us that the devil is always looking for someone to devour, always looking for somebody to trip up, mess up, always looking for somebody to destroy. It reads like this, verse 8. Be alert and sober of mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We're not ignorant of his goal, though. Because he is not content with just destroying one person. He wants to destroy many. Look, just destroying and messing up you, just destroying and messing up me, that's, that's good for him, but he get no thrill out of that. If he can somehow throw a monkey wrench into the smooth inner workings of our relationships, he gets bonus points for that. Say this with me. If the devil, if the devil can, mess up can mess up our relationships, our relationships. He, gets he gets bonus points. And I'm going to come back before we close up today. We're going we're gonna to make sure you understand what I mean by that. But for right now, just know this. Your relationships have an enemy. And that enemy is an opposer to the closeness and the happiness of your relationships. Now, if we stick here and we go to the next verse, this next verse in the Bible is going to tell us what we need to do. It's going to say we need to resist the enemy. Specifically, the NIV Bible, verse 9, says this, resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. So we are to resist him. But you know what? Resisting is work. Resisting takes effort. Resisting takes exertion. If we're going to resist the enemy properly, you and I must stand in the covenant that we have and resist the devil with a force that is greater than the one he's using to push on us. Another thing about that, though, knowing that our relationships have such a clear-cut enemy, one would be foolish 
to do anything to support him in his effort to destroy our relationships. But still, a lot of people give him that very support, and that support comes through relational neglect. I gave you all a particular phrase. And now, for those of you who were not here, I'm going to let you have it. And for those of you who were here, just write it down again if you don't have that same note tablet that you had at the time. But the phrase is this, unopened milk still spoils. Unopened milk still spoils. And so some of you may be like, where did that come from? Let me give you a brief note on that. You see, my wife and I have been married now for almost 30 years. We've been an item for more than that, but married for almost 30 years. And over that 30 years, I've thrown away gallons and gallons of milk. <laughs> milk that has expired before she used it up. Now, some <laughs> of it, some of it was open and used some. Some of it was not even open at all. Just bought, and then, so I just threw it away. And, and by the way, yes, she still buys milk. <laughs> she still buys milk. I got a tech man, give me a photo right here. Let me show you something. This is me. The Sunday after I took, after I gave that message, I went home, and the Tuesday she had bought some more milk. So, it's just a little one. And so why do I show you this picture? Because after the last time we talked about this, people actually came up to me after, after service and say, listen, in effect, you're not going to convince me that my pastor Greta is just buying milk for no reason. Just buying milk to throw it away. And they were like, well, do she cook with it? And, and you know, full disclosure, it's, it's not like she does not do anything with the milk ever. Can she cook with it? Yes, she can. Yes, she can. Can she use it up? Yes, she can. But what I'm saying is history has shown that I have thrown away so much milk. And you know my take on it. I really don't care that you buy the milk. All I want to do is know that whatever you buy, you use up. Look, drink it in a glass. Pour it in your cereal. Listen, wash your hair with it. Soak your feet in it. Scrub your car with it. I don't care what you do with the milk. Just use the milk. That's all I'm saying. So th that, that being said, but no... The bottom line is I've thrown away a lot of milk. And in throwing away a lot of milk, nothing really got me when I, more than when I threw away an unopened jug or bottle of milk. Thank you, sir, for that picture. <laughs> so, so where do we go from there? Well, one day when I was throwing away an unopened container of milk, God said to me, son, that unopened container of milk is the story of many of your relationships if you're not careful. Wow. You see, when you first got that milk, everything was good. You took that milk and you put that milk in a place that you thought would keep it fresh and you left it alone. And for a while, that milk did fine. 
However, you never came back and touched that milk again once it was in your possession. You ignored, you ignored that milk, and that milk spoiled before you had the opportunity to benefit from its ability to nourish your body. You see, son, unopened milk still spoils. And in the same way, your relationships with people, if you choose to put them on the shelf, if you choose to ignore them, if you choose to not give them any attention, those relationships can spoil before you get an opportunity to benefit from them or they from you. So what we're talking about here is in relationships, you and I have to pay some quality attention to what God brings our way in the way of friendships and connections. Because guess what? Even a good thing, if left uncared for and unattended, can still go bad. Turn to Matthew 25. Let's go ahead and jump back in. This is around about where we left off last time. You know, neglect is a bad thing, family. And in a generic sense, neglect is something we can all roll up into a term called lack of attention. Lack of attention, though, has some subtle parts to it. Lack of attention can happen in two very subtle ways. And I want you to say these ways, ways with me. The first way is this. Say, lack of engagement. Lack of engagement. The lack of engagement, that's one way that subtle neglect can sneak into our relationships. The other, say, lack of proper oversight. Lack of proper oversight. Lack of proper oversight. That's another way things can sneak into our relationships and break them down. By the way, the lack of oversight also includes your and my failure to protect our relationships from negative influences. Jumping back in here on the topic of lack of engagement. In Matthew 25, I'm in the King James Version. It talks about the parable of the talents. The verse we're going to read here together is verse 18. But since we've already read this in a previous session, I will just summarize it for you. There is a Lord that has three servants. The Lord is getting ready to go on a journey, and the Lord gives the servants differing amounts of talents or money. Now, people say a talent could be as much as $1,000, or a talent could be as much as 20 years' worth of a basic laborer's wage. So that's a big range. The bottom line is a talent is a, quite a bit of sum of money. He gives one five talents. He gives another two talents. And he gives the last servant how many? One talent. All the other two servants, the one with the five, the one with the two, they actually put the money to use and make more money. But what does that one talent servant do? Verse 18 in the King James Version reads like this. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid the Lord's money. That servant just hid that talent. He didn't engage that talent. He didn't show that talent any attention. He didn't show that talent any love. He just tucked it away. And you know what? When the servant came back, the servant was, the master came back, excuse me. When the master came back, he was not happy 
with what that servant had done. Why? Because the talent he had given him did not increase in value while he was gone. In fact, because the talent didn't draw interest, one could even say it lost value. The same is true with your relationships. If you neglect your relationships, if you leave them alone, if you fail to engage them, those things, those relationships, those connections, they might not increase in value. As a matter of fact, they may lose value. Say this with me. All my relationships, All my relationships require, require some form of attention. They all require some form of attention, family, but not just any old attention. Every single relationship is its own organism. And that relationship thrives on a certain amount and frequency of attention. Every relationship thrives on that. So I can't just take, you can't just take a particular type of attention that you give to one relationship and just plop it in on another. Every piece of attention that you give to all your relationships must be custom fit. Any old out-of-the-box relationship attention won't do. The recycling of attention profiles, that is just not good enough because every single relationship that you have, all those associations are one of a kind. They're one of a kind. Thus, here's what I want you to say with me. Knowing that we cannot recycle the attention profiles, say this, every personal connection, every personal connection is, is its own, its own living, living and breathing, and breathing. Organism. organism. Every single connection that you have in your life is this own living and breathing organism. It's not good enough for you to try to take an attention profile that you have for one person and recycle it on another. You know what? The attention profile that you have for your best friend is or should be different than the one you have for your two-year-old. The attention profile for child number one is unique or should be unique from the attention profile you give to child number two. The attention profile for your spouse better not be the same attention profile that you give to your parents. For some of you fellas, your mama. That attention profile should not be the same. Why? Because each one of those relationships is its own living and breathing organism requiring and should have its own attention profile. For those of you who've been married more than once, the attention profile that you've given spouse number two should not be a carbon copy of the attention profile that you gave to spouse number one. Amen. Attention profiles are different for different relationships. And the attention profiles matter. But it's not just about simply paying attention. When we talk about subtle neglect and we talk about the places where 
Little bitty nits and nats can hide in the bases of your relationships and break them down. We're talking about the lack of engagement. We're talking about the lack of engagement. Word choice here is very important. We need to switch out attention when we go subtle and we need to insert the word engagement. You see, when I say attention, that gives the implication that there's some kind of observing going on. But when I say engagement, engagement, that gives more of a, of a sense that you are interacting with something. And all your relationships, all of them must have your interaction. For anybody who has been a teacher, is a teacher, who's ever talked before a group, who's ever had the, the privilege or the, 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 the heart-pounding pressure of getting up and talking to a crowd, you know that attention and engagement are not the same. They're not the same. You see, for example, conversationally. If conversationally I'm giving you my attention, you see, my focus is on you while you speak to me. That's one way. You are the speaker. I am the observer. That's me giving you my attention. But if we engage in conversation, if we engage in conversation, all of a sudden you are speaking to me and I'm speaking to you. I'm pulling something out of you. You pulling something out of me. Engagement is a two-way interaction. Engagement is a dance. Engagement is that two-step. You know, talking about my wife and I, my wife and I, over the years, all the years that we've been married, we have moments that we just turn on the, on the music and we get in the family room and we just dance. I mean, we just leave it all out there. Sometimes it's like we need a towel just to be, but I mean, we be in there getting it. Our own little music, fun, dance, having a good time thing. We say, what did I got to do with, what I got to do with engagement? Now, now don't judge me, say don't judge the pastor. Don't judge me, don't judge me, don't judge me. But let me tell you, every now and then, when we, 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 might, we might put in some music that we know. But every now and then, we might just turn it on and just see what comes over the airways or what comes off the TV or what comes off the, 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 the device on our, the music thing on our phone. And every now and then, we get this song we used to dance to. It says, it has words something like this. It says, I put my hand up on your hip. When you dip, I dip, we dip. That's what I'm talking about. When you engage somebody, you, that thing is a, is a coordinated effort. When you engage in me, it's a push, it's a pull, it's a giving, it's a receiving, it's a you being blessed, it's a me being blessed, it's a blessing and a blessed. When you engage somebody, that's interaction. Engagement and attention are not the same. You see, when we're talking about engagement, engagement, that thing is, it's bilateral. Engagement is an exchange. An exchange of what I got for what you got. An exchange for what you got for what I got. Engagement is what brings us together. Yeah. Amen. 
not just paying attention. Keep in mind, though, I got to pay attention. I have to be observing you because I have to know what to do and when. But once I know something needs to be done, I have to be ready to engage. Otherwise, if I don't engage, my relationship can fall victim to subtle neglect. See, when my wife and I take trips, I, I really don't know what her mindset is about going. I tell you the truth, I don't really ask her. Because my focus is that I am going to continue to engage you in a manner that I know is keeping us in a two-way relationship. Because if I don't, our relationship can fall victim to subtle neglect. I want you to do something for me. I want you to think of an important relationship that you have. It can be with your spouse, of course. It can be with your, your best friend. It can be with somebody special. I want you to think about that special relationship or that important relationship that you have. We've already said together that relationships are their own living and breathing organism. If that is the case, you will find this to be true. If we were to somehow be able to wrap our minds around looking at our relationships as a physical body, truly their own living and breathing organism, we could say this, that the engagement that we give to those relationships, that engagement is the air into that relationship. And air contains the oxygen that that relationship needs to sustain life. Now let's flip that around. What if we don't engage? What if we don't engage? Well, just follow the path. If we don't engage, then our relationships get no air. If they get no air, they get no oxygen. If you get no oxygen, suffocation begins. And if suffocation is not hindered, if suffocation is not stopped, if suffocation continues, guess what? Death is imminent. You see, engagement. Engagement, that's that thing that puts air into your relationship. No air, no oxygen, no oxygen, family. Suffocation, suffocation continues. Death is the end result of that relationship. When you look at that process, it's easy to say, so it's a simple one, two, three process 
to keep relationships alive and thriving. And it is, but still many people fall into that lack of engagement trap and find their relationships on the downward spiral. I want you to take a relationship between a man and a woman as an example. When I say a relationship of a, between a man and a woman, know this, it can be husband and wife. It can be a fiance situation, you know, we's all thinking about getting married soon. It can be a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It doesn't really matter the type of relationship. The bottom line is that subtle neglect, the lack of engagement is not a good thing. For me, I am going to use an example of husband and wife. For all of you that are married, the scenarios that we're getting ready to talk about, you've probably come across them. They might sound familiar to you. For those of you who are thinking about getting married someday, please, please pay attention because I can promise you, if you lay hold of it, you will leapfrog decades in wisdom. For everybody else, don't you tune out. Because the essence of each scenario, the essence applies to relationships across the board. Okay, we're getting ready to get into it. And these scenarios are straight out of my own vault. I didn't have to take them from nobody. But I've heard them many places. When we talk about it, we can say that neglect can be subtle, but just because it's subtle, it doesn't mean that the negative impact is not real. The negative impact of subtle neglect is extremely, extremely real. In the case of a husband and a wife, neither one of those individuals may be actually, actually supplying the air to their relationship that their relationship needs to survive while all the while each one of them is completely convinced that they are. How does that look? Let's start off with a husband. Once again, my wife and I have been through these kind of ebbs and flows and I've known many husband and wives that have, but here is one, husbands, Let's not waste any more time with it. You feel that just because you are providing financially that you are engaging, but you're not. You see, by simply providing financially, you're just providing. You're not engaging. Now, should you be providing? Is that a good thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8 in the Amplified Classic, we'll read that in a second. But absolutely, it's a good thing. As the man of the house, as the head of the union, we should celebrate you for providing for your family. No one should ever talk down to you about that. No one should ever make you feel bad about that. That is a good thing. That is a noble thing. As a matter of fact, that's downright biblical. 
1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, Amplified Classic, reads this way. If anyone fails to provide for his relatives and especially for those of his own family, he has disowned the faith by failing to accompany it with fruits and is worse than an unbeliever who performs his obligation in these manners. So, listen, you providing is absolutely a good thing. All that being said, though, Gentlemen, all that being the case, having received your pat on the back for that, having received your attaboy for that, know this, that simply doing something for her is not the same thing as doing something with her. You see, somehow you've got it in the recesses of your mind, but by the simple fact that you're providing, that you're engaging, but you're not. You're just providing. You got to engage to engage. And by the way, if you don't engage, there is no air. If there is no air, there is no oxygen. If there is no oxygen, suffocation begins. And if suffocation does not end soon, death is imminent. Wives, the same thing applies to you whether you are actually there and you and your husband are both providing financially or whether, whether you are fulfilling a more traditional, what we would call a traditional role as being, you know, a, a homemaker, know that just because you do something for him, it is not the same thing as you doing something with him. Simply doing something for him is not engaging. You have to engage to engage. And if you don't engage, you don't have any air. If you don't have any air, you take away the oxygen. No oxygen, suffocation begins. No end to the suffocation, the end of the relationship is imminent. Husbands, you know what? You feel. You feel somehow that by simply sitting on the couch next to your wife that you are engaging her, but you're not. Every single day you come home and you sit on that couch next to her and you put that game controller in your hand or you put that remote in your hand and you somehow try to convince yourself that simply by sitting next to her that you are engaging her when the truth of the matter is both of you may actually be in the same place but you are far from being together you are not engaging her all you're doing by sitting on the couch with her with that remote control in your hand, with that game controller in your hand, is sitting. You're just sitting. You're not engaging her. You have to engage her to engage. And if you don't engage, you have no air. If you have no air, you get no oxygen. If you have no oxygen, guess what? You begin to suffocate. And once suffocation is not stopped, death is imminent. Wives. You think, you think that by going to dinner with him or by going to the movies with him, and I understand a movie can be in the theater or it can be at home, we're going to choose the theater route, but you think that simply by going to those places with him that you are engaging him, but you're not. 
You see, when you go to dinner with him, and dinner can be, listen, at a five-star restaurant that serves five-star cuisine. Dinner can be at a flip-flops and blue jeans place that actually puts burgers and fries on a plastic tray. It don't matter where you go out to eat, but you, you, you think that simply by going out to dinner with him that you are engaging him, but you are not. As a matter of fact, as you sit there with that mobile device in your hand and are failing to make eye contact with him. You see, you think you're engaging, but you're, but you're not. You're sitting there in the theater and you can't even keep up with the sequence of events because you have to continue to check your social media page and keep getting on that man's nerves by asking him, so why he got shot? So, so why, 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 that, why that person not, not with them anymore? When, when, did, when did they become a bad guy? What, 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 why that person die? What happened to the dog? You see, you think you're sitting there and you're engaging, but you're not. Your engagement is actually on that thing that's in your hand and not with the person that's next to you. You think that's just because you're sitting there across the dinner table or sitting in the theater with that person, with that man, with that husband, with the person you're supposed to love. You think just sitting there is supposed to mean that you're engaging, but you're not. You're just sitting. You're just taking up space. You're just sucking up air. You're not doing anything with him. And you know what? If you keep that up, you will begin to take the air, if you haven't already, out of your relationship. No air, no oxygen. No oxygen, suffocation. Suffocation don't stop. Death is imminent. Hmm. Every single relationship that you have is its own living and breathing organism and the lack of engagement can mean the lack of air and if no air if you keep going too long without any air that relationship shall fade you can imagine that we can continue with these scenarios on and on and on and on and on but the but the bottom line is it's subtle It's so subtle, and the lack of engagement can lead to many undesired outcomes. And it can be straight up confusing to a husband and a wife as to what's happening to our relationships, our relationship, because no one understands why the relationship seems to be fading. Each person believes they're doing their part to engage when in actuality they're not. And because they're not engaging, their relationship lays on the ground, flailing and gasping for air. You know the alarming part about all this? The alarming part about it all is that that path that path to a lack of engagement is just so subtle. Two people can end up in a relational dead zone and have no idea how they got there. Listen, I thank God for the fact that my wife and I are still together, but 
she can't look at me with an honest heart and I can't look at her with an honest heart and tell you that we've never got to a place where we felt like, how in the heck did we get here? This is a dead zone. I know what our vows say. I know what these rings on our fingers are supposed to say. My question is, how do we end up here? It's just a negative space. It's the kind of space that have, have the two people standing in front of each other face to face, not saying it with their mouth, but in their back of their mind, looking at the other person and say, do you even see me? I know we always together. Physically. I know we always in the same space physically. But when your eyes are peering down on me, what do you see? Do you really see me? The path to neglect, it can be subtle. It can be subtle and it can have people asking whether or not this thing needs to continue. Look, all relationships are different. Let me explain it to you this way. Let's say I have a relationship with a friend and that friend's name is Josh. Now you take out Josh and you put in Richard. You end up with a different friendship. Take out Richard, put in Jimmy, different. Take out Jimmy, put in Stephanie, different. Take out Stephanie, put in Laura, different. Take out Laura, put in Frank, different. Even though in each one of those relationships, you have a common element, that element being me, if you change one of the persons, because that person brings their own personality, because they bring their own style, because they bring their own flavor, because they bring their own vibe, you end up with something that has never existed before. You end up with a new living and breathing organism. An organism that you have to engage. You see, when we're talking about engagement and we're talking about husband and wife scenario, engagement is that thing that will have you doing stuff that causes more harm, but you just don't know what else to do. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean that we're not really arguing, arguing about the fact that you left your shoes in the middle of the floor again. We're not really arguing about that. You see, what I really want to know, what I really don't know how to ask is why you won't engage me. But the fact that you won't engage me got me so confused. And by the way, I know that if we argue about those shoes, at least some kind of engagement comes my way. So guess what? We finna argue about shoes. 
you see, you see, darling, I, I really, I really don't want to argue about money, even though it's important and we should make sure that our money management is proper, but really don't want to argue about money. What I'm really trying to argue about is the fact that somehow I don't seem to be getting any engagement about from you concerning us. And given that I know that if I can engage you in a discussion about money, that I can get some kind of rise out of you, that I can get some kind of engagement from you, guess what? We finna argue about finances. The truth of the matter is you have a relationship that is void of air, no air, no oxygen. And when a person is suffocating, they will do almost anything to get life back. The lack of engagement is a subtle snake that lurks into and out of many relationships and many homes. It's subtle, and the simple fact that it's subtle, hear this closely, because it is subtle, you end up with getting someplace and not knowing, A, how you got there, or B, what you need to do to get back. Turn to Matthew 13, NIV Bible. I believe we've talked enough about lack of engagement to give you the idea of what we're talking about there. So now let's talk about the lack of proper oversight. If you turn to Matthew 13, I'm in the NIV, babe, NIV Bible. I'm starting in verse 24. Family, remember that the lack of proper oversight also means a failure in keeping negative influences away from your relationship. Starting in verse 24, it reads, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, don't, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to pull, do you want us to go and pull them up? This is where we stop because here you have a situation where there has been weeds sown into a man's field. The part that we want to focus in, though, is verse 25 that tell us when were those weeds sown in the field. They were sown when everybody was sleeping. Once again, verse 25, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Some people sleep on their relationships and the enemy gets in while nobody's watching. 
They sleep on their relationships. Absolutely no, in, forget engagement, no attention being paid at all. And while they were asleep behind the wheel, while they were napping, while they were not paying attention, the enemy got in and sowed weeds in their field. Other people do things like unknowingly invite the enemy in, all because they didn't do their due diligence, all because they didn't investigate properly, all because somebody told you they were a good person, all because you used to know them 20 years ago, all because all of a sudden something, somebody is in your presence. That is not an automatic go-ahead to you being introduced directly into my life. You see, if that person had done their due diligence properly, they would have learned that that individual's influence was toxic to them, their family, and their other relationships, and they never would have let that person in. But instead, they introduced that person and let into their relationships wolves in sheep's clothing. If you look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, NIV Bible. Jesus talking about false prophets said this, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly there are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. You need to recognize the fruit in a person. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. If somebody does not show you the fruit, don't you assume what the fruit is until you see it for yourself. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 12, NIV Bible. Paul is speaking of false apostles here. What are we talking about? We're talking about a failure to give proper oversight, a failure to protect your relationship from negative influences. Paul says, and I will keep on doing what I'm doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. What he's talking about here is that there's a certain way that Paul and people like Paul are going around ministering the gospel, and then there are some charlatans that are trying to do the same thing, but Paul is saying, hey, listen, I don't want you to get me confused with them. Verse 13, for such people are false apostles, defeat, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ, and no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Somebody can put up a front before you for some point in time, but eventually they real fruit going to show up. They can masquerade as an angel of light, and it's up to you to make sure you do your due diligence and give your proper oversight to make sure that you are not letting in some kind of negative influence into your relationships, into your life, into your family. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. 
it is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Now let's press in a real life example of what the lack of proper oversight means. And let's keep it in the family. Let's talk about a parent-child relationship. You have a parent that has, it can be a young child. I'm going to say young child. It doesn't have to be, but a parent with a young child. And that parent hands that child a mobile device to keep their attention. They hand the child this device, and what do you think? Think about this. If they hand that child that device frequent enough and often enough without proper oversight, without proper oversight, what happens? Well, I'll tell you what happens. That device becomes the mom. That device becomes the dad. More importantly, whoever or whatever is on the other end of that device becomes your child's teacher. And when they become the teacher, they begin to work on building relationships. And if they build relationships, all of a sudden you got to know the more you build a relationship, the more probability you engage. And once you engage, what do you get? You get air. Once you get air, you get oxygen. Once you get oxygen, all of a sudden the relationship that child has with whoever or whatever is on the other end of that device, that relationship thrives. Why? Because whoever or whatever is on the other end, they are locking in on your child with the focus of capturing their heart, of capturing their emotion, of capturing their attention. But what about your relationship with your child? Considering the fact that, listen, I'm not talking about anybody. If it's you, hey, I'm not trying to point out you. That's why I'm being generic. But look at this. If if if, the, if that's the case, what about your relationship with your child? I can tell you what. If that's the case and you elected, if you chose to pawn off your opportunity to engage to a device, then what happens? All of a sudden, your relationship with your child, it got no air. It got no air. Why? Because you didn't choose to engage. You choose to let somebody else engage. And when that other person engaged, they got the air. But you, no air. No air, no oxygen. No oxygen. All of a sudden, your relationship with your child struggles. Why? Because somebody else got more control over them than you do. And you are suffocating in your relationship. Because why? You gave up your engagement. You didn't do proper oversight of what you gave them. Let it become their teacher. So no air for you. And once suffocation continues, death is imminent. So as you can see, relational neglect, it don't have to be some obvious overt act. Relational neglect can be subtle, but it still has very real ramifications. That neglect can be quite subtle, and it can even appear to be minor. Everybody say minor. minor. It can appear to be minor. You know what? The enemy likes things 
that appear minor. Because when things appear minor, we can get it in our minds that they're okay. When things appear to be minuscule, we can get it in our mind that I don't have to deal with it. When things are minor, it's easier for the enemy to get in because we can think minor things are no big deal. We can get in our mind that things that are trivial are nothing that we need to pay attention to. And when things that are trivial go under the radar, that's the perfect environment for the enemy to get in and quietly destroy relationships. That subtle environment is the perfect place for him to breed his poison. But I told you we were hitting right in the eye, and I think this is what we're doing today because we have exposed him. We have exposed that trick, and I feel it in my spirit that people are going to leave here today looking for those places of subtle neglect in their lives and put the enemy to bed. No longer allowing husband and wives to argue over things that are unnecessary. I just want you to engage me. No longer letting somebody else teach your child, you step up to the plate and do it for yourself. You know, I thought about if I was going to bring this up, but let me do this too. Because I think it I think it deserves saying. Give me a second. Let me find it. It has to deal with when you have a relationship, family, and you have a relationship that seems lost, I want you to know down deep in your heart that the feeling Say feeling. feeling. That the feeling that that relationship is lost, that can also come from the enemy. The enemy can have you put a relationship away prematurely when in fact salvation for that relationship is available. Why do you tell us that, Pastor? Because just because you're relationship currently is not getting any air, it does not mean you can't turn around and begin to try to inject air into it. Just try holding his hand again. Just try to reaching out to that child again. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what I wanted to tell you. Now let's bring this thing home. At the beginning, I told you that the enemy gets bonus points 
for putting a monkey wrench into our, our relationships and that I would tell you what I meant by that. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 7 in the Amplified Classic. Let's talk about what we mean by the enemy gets bonus points into throwing a monkey wrench into our relationships. Amplified Classic, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 says this, So instead of further rebuke now, you should rather turn and graciously forgive and comfort and encourage him to keep him from being overwhelmed by excessive sorrow and despair. As a quick summary, there is somebody who did something bad. Paul is saying this man has been punished long enough. It's time to restore him now. I therefore beg you to reinstate him in your affections and assure him of your love for him. For this is what this was my purpose in writing you to test your attitude and see if you would stand the test, whether you are obedient and altogether agreeable to following my orders in everything. If you forgive anyone anything, I too forgive that one. And what I have given, if I have given anything, has been for your sakes in the presence and with the approval of Christ, the Messiah. To keep Satan from getting the advantage over us, for we are not ignorant of his wiles and intentions. The Message Bible, same verses, verse 7. Now is the time for you to forgive this man and help him back on his feet. If all you do is pour on the guilt, you could very well drown him in it. If all you do is pour on the guilt, you can very well drown him in it. Wives, have you ever kept your husband in the doghouse too long? Have you ever stayed in a position where you're just pouring on the guilt too long and just drowning him in it? Husbands, have you ever stayed angry at your wife too long? Have you ever kept her in that cone of I'm not going to talk to you too long for weeks and for months? Have you ever, no matter what it is that she did, that you think she did, that you perceive she did, that she actually did, have you ever put her in a position where you were just angry at her too long, just pouring on the guilt and drowning her in it? Has anyone ever kept a friend on the quote-unquote poo-poo list too long? That's a nice way to put it. But it still smells the same. <coughs> Parents, although your child made a bad decision, have you ever held that bad decision over their head too long? The time had come for you to forgive them, but have you ever held them in a place of guilt too long, just drowning them and drowning them and drowning them in it? Paul says, now is the time to forgive this man and to help him back on his feet. If all you do is pour on the guilt, you could very well drown him in it. My counsel now is to pour on the love, a switch. The focus of my letter wasn't on pushing the offender 
on punishing the offender, but on getting you to take responsibility for the health of the church. So if you forgive him, I forgive him. Don't think I'm carrying around a list of personal grudges. We don't keep a grudge list. The fact is that I'm joining in with, with your forgiveness as Christ is with us, guiding us. After all, we don't want to unwittingly give Satan an opening for yet more mischief. We're not oblivious to his sly ways. What is the monkey wrench? What is the bonus points? Satan wants to disrupt our unity. He wants to disrupt our togetherness. He wants to disrupt our love walk. It is a sly approach because if he can disrupt our love walk, he can contaminate our, in, our image for others who are looking at the body of Christ. We don't want to help him with that. You see the lack of trust between each other, us. The bad history that we make between each other, us. The lingering hurt, the unforgiveness between us, it supports Satan's effort to taint the body of Christ. Thus, if our relationships are the poster children for dysfunction in the church, if our relationship between brother and sister, if those relationships are the poster children, the poster board for dysfunction, us in the church, then effectively Satan kills multiple birds with one stone, so to speak. And by that, I believe he just chalks it off as bonus points. So where do we wind down? If you have a relationship family that feels as if it's dying, it very much could be dying from relational neglect. And in very subtle ways, the lack of engagement or the lack of proper oversight, the lack you're failing in making sure that you know you needed to keep those negative influences away from your relationship. If it's dying from relational neglect, this may be hard to hear, and if you are the culprit, we could even say, since that relationship is a living and breathing organism, that you are, yeah, an accessory to your own murder. Doing more damage to your own self, and you don't even know that you're doing it. Just because something was good when you laughed less, last left it. Don't put your relationships on the shelf and think they'll stay good forever without you paying the right amount of the right kind, the right amount of attention, the right frequency of attention to it. Because family, even unopened milk 
can still spoil. Say, Pastor, make it balanced. Because I need to leave, I, I, I won't leave you without saying this. Now, I've already told you that don't you assume that your relationship cannot recover. But I also take a hard line on this. Don't for one minute think that I am asking you to go out of your way and to grind up your life chasing after grown folk that want to have nothing to do with you. And, by the way, I plainly say grown folk include your grown kids. Your role is to try your best to display the love of God in this world. It is not to run yourself into the ground for people who want to have nothing to do with you. You pray for them and hopefully God will touch their heart the way they come around. But your life is worth too much money to be expending your pearls before swine. So family, I provided you with at least three reasons why you should take care of your relationships. The first one is that in taking care of your relationship, it's a good thing for you. The second one is in taking care of your relationship, it's a good thing for those you love and those you care for. The third one is that we would want to be that godly image of a well-functioning group of people that have relationships so that we can make the body of Christ attractive to others who may be thinking about coming our way. Throughout this series of discussions, you've gained many pointers for keeping your relationships running right. Those pointers include Making sure you take responsibility for your own actions. Making sure you keep your trust in your relationship working good. Being trustworthy. Knowing how to identify a person who's trustworthy. Understanding the apology process. And now you have in your toolkit knowing how to look out for and identify that subtle neglect. The only thing left for you to do is apply what you know. I love you so much. I love you enough to not allow the enemy to set up camp and reside in that quiet, dark corner of your relationships, having you try to figure out why in the world is this thing not working out, when all the while there's a subtle, subtle snake killing it from the root. But we see him now. 
All we got to do is apply what we know. Let's pray. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you. If you would like to help us further expand the vision, simply text the word GIVERTM to the number 41444 or visit us online at www.revealingtruth.org. Now remember, Jesus loves you.